Hello, welcome to Celtic Down Under, this week hosted by myself, Sean, uh, joined by our regulars, Paul and Anthony, and the debut tonight from Tommy, who is also in WA, joining us for his first show on uh, what is probably a good time to join in uh, after the kind of weekend we've had. Uh, today is now about, what, 19 hours since the game finished, so... We were all up at 11pm for the kickoff last night, which means we'd have got to bed about half one by the time things wound down. And today is it's currently 8pm and it's still 32 degrees, so we are all going to be slightly struggling, but uh, doing our best to regale uh, what happened last night. How are you feeling, Tommy? Uh, say hi to everyone. If you'd like Hello, to introduce everyone. yourself, do, but don't feel under any pressure to give away any personal information. Uh, but um, otherwise, just let us know how you're doing. Yeah, and no, obviously, like, like every Celtic fan around the world, very, very happy today. Um, I was um, a bit nervous, probably the last 20 minutes, half hour, like, like most of us. But um, yeah, very happy today and um, happy to be here as well. So thanks for having me on. Thanks to Jared as well for um, getting me on. In terms of an intro, um, you know, I've lived in Perth, Australia for... 30 years, been a member of Perth Celtic Sports Club for that long. Um, I used to go to the games back home when I was um, when Liam Brady was the manager, so not the best. Um, so certainly been a lot better time since I um, fled Glasgow. So, but um, married with two kids, and I think that's about as much as I'll say. I don't want to go overboard. Ah, sorry, sorry, we don't need your life story. We're here to talk about Celtic. Uh, <laughs> Paul, how's you going at work today? Yeah, uh, it was a busy day actually. I, we just before we came on, uh, Anthony was saying he had a busy day as well. And I looked, I, I looked at my diary when I when I got in and I went, oh, that's not ideal. But to be honest, it's probably better than a slower day. It just got just uh, just got on with it and got through it. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it's always a better Monday if you've won the cup final against the other the other mob, as, oh, uh, as maybe we should refer to them. Funny. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was a pretty good day. All things considered. And Anthony, was it tea or coffee that was caffeinating you through your day today? Uh, coffee this morning. Um, I actually somehow got myself written off on Saturday night. So um, oh, I was actually quite sort of I was quite sober watching the game on Sunday because I was I was a bit, bit rough on uh, on Sunday morning. But anyway, made, made it through. And uh, yeah, I'm obviously glad because it was... Uh, quite an action-packed game, which we're obviously going to get into in just a few minutes. Yeah, and obviously this is this being the weekend review, uh, broadly each week we cover some other topics, so I'm just going to quickly scrub those out of the way, okay? Uh, so the rest, everything else that happened in sport this weekend, uh, Dundee United sacked their manager, Man United won the English version of the Scottish League Cup, uh, Tyson Fury won a game of punching people in the head, and Scotland are crap at rugby again. Okay, now that that's all done, uh, let's get to talking about Celtic and uh, the main event. Um, yeah, good. It was kind of the way I seen it going before the game was I'd predicted no, no first half KG affair, and it kind of was going that way. But we did. When you think about it, we I think in the first twenty minutes, Sevco had a couple of chances, and then kind of after that for the the next 25 minutes of the first half, we kind of dominated. And it looked like we were they were kind of hanging on to half-time and they didn't quite manage to. We managed to get that breakthrough just before half-time. And again, I thought they were going to come out in the second half like they did at Ibrooks. And they, they did in an in a effort sense, but not in terms of really creating chances. To be, to be totally honest, I don't think Joe Hart had any sincere saves to make throughout the game. 
Um, I mean, before we really get into the, the minutiae of it, uh, what, what did you make of the overall kind of, how was the game as a spectacle as a, and the balance? Paul, what did you reckon? Yeah, look, I thought that it wasn't it wasn't unexpected how uh, how it went down. To be honest, um, we we controlled the game without you know totally putting them to bed. Uh, they they really really try to pin us back and press us high, throw the ball long. They didn't really play through us, um, and yeah, it was frustrating at times. Uh, they had their chances, um, but really. I thought generally we were pretty comfortable um, without ever really taking the game away from them as we probably could have if we'd taken more of our chances. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was certainly a, a tighter affair than than it might otherwise have been, but but generally not completely nerve wracking as they sometimes can be. Oh, I think they're always nerve wracking, Tommy. How were your nerves? I actually thought we started the game pretty well. I thought we were in control. I thought we were holding the ball well, keeping possession well. We probably weren't. Um, quite penetrating in the final third so much. And then they sort of got a couple of breaks of the ball in the middle of the park, um, which sort of led to that little bit of pressure from them. I think um, Carter Vickers blocked a shot and then blocked a cross. But aside from that, I actually thought we were pretty comfortable. And then probably the last 10 minutes of the first half, I felt a goal was coming because we were starting to make some chances. Kogo with a couple of chances before he put the one away. So um, that's, that's the way I saw the first half anyway. Yeah, Ange came out even before, he comes out after every game at Hamden and he came out before this one and said, uh, tense affairs, always tense affairs, not really about football, etc, etc. Did you, Anthony, did you think we were more on the football than we had been forecast by Ange in the the pre-match? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like, I agree with Tommy. I kind of felt like a goal was coming. Like Hugo had a couple of chances, and you just felt it was it was coming. Especially when he got the header, and he you know, should you know probably should have done better with that one. Um, the ball in from Johnston was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sort of felt we're well, just starting to screw the nut and just putting them under under the cosh a bit. And then when the goal happened, I just said to myself, as soon as the ball went to Moy, I went, "This is going to be a goal." Because just everything just seemed to open up. It just—it was like the partner of the Red Sea. It was just like you know, a couple of incisive passes we got and got behind them, and it was literally the first time we'd really gotten behind them and we, we scored. And I sort of thought, well, if we could do that a couple more times. This is going to be three, four now, like you know, we sort of all the guys had predicted. But um, you just thought I knew the start of the second half they were going to come out and really have a go that first 10 minutes and they hit the post and we weathered the storm and then obviously we were at the park made it 2-0 and then you're sort of thinking all right party time and then it didn't probably quite sort of pan out that way for the next sort of 15-20 minutes but you know at the end of the day we, we got the result but I kind of figured that we would have the, the, the lion's share of the possession and they would play counter-attack and football because they're just long ball merchants that's all they do Goldson, uh, Tavernier they play that cross field long diagonal ball all day long. And yeah, I, I wasn't really overly sort of impressed. Yeah, I, I just I just felt like we were the footballing team. Yeah, when we got to show it, you know, there was clearly, you know, we were the we were the better team and we ended up, you know, we ended up winning the cup. Uh, Anthony in the comments is saying uh, it was like playing any other Premier League team that just plays hopeful long balls. And Andrew's saying uh, we couldn't dominate as much due to the surface. I actually kind of, Slightly disagree on, kind of halfway agree on those points, but not fully. Uh, in terms of the, I didn't actually think it was the same as playing any other Premier League team because I thought they pressed us a lot, 
we get a lot of medium or low press against other teams, but they were actually given us a high press. Uh, and in terms of the surface, actually, because I, I felt what they were trying to do was replicate what they'd done at Ibrooks, but with those extra like few meters that you get at Hamden, we were um, able to play our triangles to get out of the back, which we couldn't really do at Ibrooks in a much tighter game. Uh, and that was, for me, the most noticeable thing, at least about the first half. And I was kind of watching it and thinking, oh, this is kind of like, I wish we could get this more often because like, when we come to Europe and this is what we're going to face, this kind of high press in Europe, we, we really need to have more practice of this because we don't get it against any other team. And, and we did well. We were doing well with it. Callum McGregor was just, for me, the best player on the pitch in the first half and probably throughout. Like, well, it, there's just, even like, the way he takes the ball, passes, turns, his defensive reading of the game, is blocking. I think he made one mistake at one point and he recovered his own mistake. Uh, but I thought apart from that, he was just the absolute driving force in the game. Uh, what did you reckon, uh, Paul, did you, of Callum McGregor's performance? Yeah, look, I think we've kind of touched on it even in the few couple of weeks we've done this, is that, and it's been said umpteen times, he never really drops below an 8 out of 10 performance, does he? He's 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 always kind of on it um and he just he's just neat and tidy and and like you say a driving force um f- for the team um i've loved i've loved how he's conducted i like i love how we've we've, we've all conducted ourselves this week in comparison to to them but um particularly cal like both in the run up with his press conference and then in the immediate aftermath you know we'll do our talking on the pitch and and we did um yeah but he just i guess you know, what is it, 14 finals at Hamden, including youth games, never lost one, 11 mm-hmm. senior cup finals, won the lot. Um, yeah, he's played in great teams, you know, during that period, but that's still a phenomenal record in, in cup finals. You know, we've all been around long enough watching Selig to know that there's there's always one that sort of sometimes goes the other way or there's a, there's a bad decision or just just a luck of, of a one-off match in a cup final. So, yeah, Carl was... Carl was Excellent. I think, you know, the, we had, we were lucky, you know, not lucky, but I guess we had some really good, strong performances right throughout the team, which we didn't at Ibrox. And obviously there's, there's a, you know, seems to be a story that, that there was some illness there. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. not really much of a surprise if half the squad was, you know, not at a hundred percent, but that seems to be sort of waved away in the main, mainstream media. Um, but yeah, I think we had plenty of strong performers. It's hard to kind of look past somebody like Kyogo scoring both goals and saying he's not man of the match. But you know, you're right. McGregor probably epitomised everything that was was good about what we did, um, and and sort of even to the the point where he was probably the driving force that starts the you know the move for for the uh, for the for ultimately what becomes the winner. Yeah, and and, yeah. and look, I, I you know and. and Moy and Hatati, like I, I was on record last week saying I thought O'Reilly should have started, but um, you know you can't really knock Moy's performance given that he was involved in in both goals, if you want to call it like a, the secondary assist, if you like, on both goals. So pretty crucial in terms of his performance too. Yeah, and the the one you're talking about with the the second goal where he does take on those, like he's crowded by three men in midfield, takes them on, beats them and basically creates the, the chance for uh, Hitati to get through. And uh, I think immediately after that, the three players that were around him all get subbed. Uh, so <laughs> I think uh, Callum McGregor can uh, put his stamp of ownership on those three players that had to leave the field because of him, uh, dominating them. And uh, there was another one as well. I think 
apart from them hitting the post, I don't know, was their best chance? Maybe the one where Ryan Jack cuts inside. And again, it's McGregor that's getting the block on that one, uh, like 12 yards from goal. So he really was everywhere. Who did, who did you think was man in the match, Anthony? Um, I, I mean, I thought Moy put in a very strong performance for the 60-odd minutes he was on the park. I mean, unfortunately, the substitution just didn't come before the free kick because he did get found out with Alfredo Morales for the, for the goal. Um, but apart from that, I thought he was just, you know, he, he players, the Rangers players were just bouncing off of him. Um, like you say, he was involved in the two goals. Um, yeah, it was just that one moment of just playing that silky slide rule pass, just the weight of the pass for um, Greg Taylor. So he didn't have to break his stride um, to whip the ball in for the for the first goal and then play Natati in. And, and fair play Natati on that second goal as well, because he had the, fourth, the, the you know, thought presence of mind to look up and square the ball to Kyogre. A lot of players would have lashed a shot at that angle, but he actually cut it back. And, you know, again, 2-0, and Barisic, you're down sleeping at the... It wasn't uh, a bad ghost, and then it was Kyogre, but um doesn't matter. We'll, we'll take it. But um, I think definitely Moy was the right selection. He was in my team this week. Um, I, I, I think it's O'Reilly. He had his chance at Ibrox, and I just think he's just not hit the consistent standards and more he's just on a purple patch and you know he just gives you a lot a bit of physicality because there's a couple of times where he just stuck in and one one balls back and turned over possession and i just think that i don't think o'reilly's necessarily got that in his game to the same extent yet and you know this thing o'reilly's 21 he's got his whole career ahead of him but at the moment with Moy playing the way he is for me he's in the starting 11 uh, if he's fit and um yeah he i said he he bossed it as far as i'm concerned and and i, I thought that you know mcgregor at moy and hatate they run lundstrom and uh tillman at the ground i thought they faded within the first half but about five ten to go i thought they've they've just completely just dropped off and then Lundstrom puts that stupid challenge in and let's start the second half and then you knew the the writing was on the wall for him he was coming off um mm-hmm. but I think like the way I was finished with saying is I think Beal sort of said that you know he was looking for players to put their hands up to see who's fit and I just think that he made I thought he made some tactically some of the wrong decisions so I think he went with players who weren't weren't 100% fit and he didn't back Cantwell and and um and Raskin and there's two new signings they, they were on the bench so yeah, a lot, a lot for them to ponder. I think, yeah, but you know, for us, onwards and upwards. Yep, I agree with that. Um, and I actually felt that maybe the kind of turning point in the first half, where we started to actually dominate and put the foot down, was when Moy got more involved in the game when he started getting his body in between. Like all he was doing was really just getting his low centre of gravity in between the ball and the the, op- the opposition players, you know. And it was really just opening things up, but. You, it was amazing how like soft and the physical challenges that uh, Kamara and Lundstrom were around about that, and not as surprising for Tillman. Um, did you did you think Tommy that it was the right decision then to start Moy ahead of O'Reilly, or do you think O'Reilly like looked more dynamic when he came on? Do, do you think do you think O'Reilly's still lacking in confidence? Maybe like if he was more in a, a more confident run, that he would have scored that chance at the end to make it more comfortable. What do you reckon? Yeah, like I can't disagree with anything that Anthony's just said. I totally agree with 100% of what he said. I would have picked Moy and played Moy from the start. I think the form he's been in since the World Cup, he, he picks himself, to be honest. And the physicality he does give us in the midfield, that's a couple of times against Rangers, maybe in the semi-final last year, that we come up a little bit short. So that would be another reason I played him. Um, O'Reilly, O'Reilly's just, 
he's out, he's out of form at the moment. He actually had his best run of form for me when he played when McGregor was out, when he dropped a bit deeper. Since he's went back to the number 10, he hasn't been quite as effective. Um, and I like the um, the balance with um, Moyne Hitari. So it's not really a number 10. They're sort of playing two sort of number eights, um, which mm-hmm. gives a bit of variety going forward as well. And Moy's just, it's all in his head. Like the first five yards are all in his head. He knows what he's doing with the ball. Some of his passing in his space, and he's involved in both the goals. So for me, that he's, he's definitely the first name ahead of O'Reilly at the moment. But that's not to say, I mean, we've seen what O'Reilly can do. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him back to, you know, that sort of form later on in the season. And he's only 21, so it's probably not a bad thing to have a bit of a spell out of the team. So, is he? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, you, you forget sometimes he's that young, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, well, he was, so but he, I thought he, that chance he had at the end with the, with the, Scunnered my coupon because I had two one on, so that was fine. I was like, still want them to score, but also you know, like, kind of still happy. Um, the other subs he really that came had on, to hit it with his right foot, didn't he? Ah, he yeah, he's, right he's, foot. yeah. Or we'll leave it for a bad. position. Yeah, I was just about to say, if he lets it run to Abada, he's coming into that on his yeah. right foot, and yeah. we've seen him smash them in pretty comfortably from those kind of positions. So, yeah, I was just watching back the highlights earlier, and I thought, yeah, he could have easily just let that roll through, and and Abada was in a really good position to to go in on it. Do, do you reckon that uh, he was punishing Abada, teaching him a lesson for that absolutely appalling dive? What did what did you, was that like? Are we embarrassed or are we just saying like that's part of the game now? What's our kind of uh, take on this, uh, Anthony, the dive? That's terrible. And with VAR and now, what are you achieving? Because, I mean, even if the referee is conned into it, VAR's just trying to reverse it anyway, so there's no point. And the thing was that if he just stayed up, I, he, was, he was obviously expecting contact and the contact never came. Ben Davies just did the thing and walked past, ran past him, but... If he just stayed in his feet, he was in on goal. I mean, it was a bit of a bad angle, but he was still like in the box. Anything can happen, but yeah, no, nah, I was that was pretty pretty poor. And I think uh, Ali and uh, Chris Sutton sort of summed it up um, pretty. Yeah, and I, I must have actually enjoyed their commentary. I thought it just puts Ian Crocker and um, Andy Walker to shame. Like, there's actually a bit of dy- dynamism in the actual commentary, so it was actually quite from that point of view, it was quite good. But um, yeah, no, not, not that, a patch yeah, on Tom Boyd, though, eh? Oh, well, you know, I sub in with Tom Boyd every now and then, but there's always so much tinfoil hat conspiracy that you can part with on a... I love Tom, but, you know, he, he no, can get a wee bit carried away himself. Not in the commentary box, are we doing? Oh, it's too much. It's too much. But, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, at first look, I thought, oh, it's pretty embarrassing. But watching it back, he's definitely expecting the contact. And, you know, if the contact... If, if, if Davis doesn't pull out of that and just continues his momentum... Well, it's definitely a foul. So, you know, regardless of how soft he goes down, as soon as there's contact, they're going to give it. So, um, look, I, I hate that part of the game. It's been a, a big part of the game for a number of years now to the point where it's, you know, it's just accepted accepted that it's kind of a part of the match. Um, but, yeah, obviously, we've all been long enough in the tooth when, you know, you try to stay on your feet. And if he had, like you said, he was... That they, the ball was actually slowing up. He would have probably almost certainly caught it before it got to the touchline. That's exactly what I was thinking as well. Was yeah. Why didn't he just keep going? You know, I thought he would have got there. So, and yeah, it's not something that we like to see from Celtic players. I mean, we hate seeing it when someone like Ryan Kent does it and we're quick enough to jump on them. So we don't want our guys doing it. But you can see yeah. why he, he was expecting it. At full pace, I thought it was a foul. I really did. Yeah. And then, like, so fair play to the. 
um, Nick Walsh, who actually spotted it immediately, um, or the assistant, one of them. I actually th- I thought, I th- uh, felt that overall the, the officials actually kind of had a good game. I don't know, are you allowed to say that? Like, there's no, v- no, no VAR checks to anything was- down? That's as good as it gets. I mean, there was no VAR checks and, and he got all the big decisions right. And that was a dive. Um, there was no real controversial. There's nothing I saw. Oh, no, he's not that completely wrong. He, he spotted everything pretty well. So, I mean, you know, he, he fit, fit, fairness where fairness is due. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a good, good performance from the referee. I, I, thought it was really, I thought it was, sorry, Paul, just a quick one. I, I thought it was really good how he booked Lindstrom for the foul straight away in the second half. So many times, guys and teams get away with, you know, one, two, three, four fouls that are yellow card offences, and then they can continue doing it. And I thought that was a really, he'd done that really well with them, both Lindstrom and Kamara. So I actually thought the ref was pretty good yesterday, considering. I think, yeah, I absolutely agree. And look, I think we can you know, give credit where it's due. Like We're all, all quick enough, regardless of how we're on the spectrum, whether you think that they're mostly just incompetent or they're, you know, completely biased or somewhere in between or there's an unconscious bias is probably neither it. But, um, yeah, like we're all we're all quick to jump when they get things wrong, which, let's be honest, is pretty regularly, especially since VAR came in. So, yeah, I, I think, to, you know, given the lineup that we had for officials, we couldn't have really hoped for anything better than than the performance they did, which, as I say, got the big calls right and did nothing got referred to VAR, which, you know, refreshing to see the game actually flow. Even when we, we can all agree that they've, they've had a good game, like we, I think the general consensus was that John Beaton had a, a, as good a game as we could have hoped at Ibrooks, but then there's always like one that people will pick on and go, yeah, that was, apart from that, apart from that. And, and I think the one that I've seen kind of popping up in social media today is that apart from that was the the yellow card for O. Uh, so we, we kind of talked off air, Paul, about the, the O and Awata double sub coming on to like kind of solidify Celtic. I personally like, O is just like this really, like it draws the attention of officials in, this, in a kind of similar way that Giacomacus does because it, it just really uh, like, loves to initiate physical contact and, and that kind of yellow card was I think it's given because he's looking at the player before he makes he the contact. Him up. So he, lined not, him, he lined him up. Yeah. He did line him up. But so, so he's he's not watching the ball. He's looking at him. and then Iwata for some reason I've really struggled to track Iwata during a game. I don't know what it is. It feels like he's one of these kind of players that's like just doing things quietly and effectively. What what was that a really strong double substitution, Paul, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, I thought that was that sort of help, I think that substitution really helped us see out the game. We, I think a lot of fans have become almost um, a little bit cynical to the fact that 60 minutes comes and three subs come on and you can pretty much set your watch by it. Um, and th- there's almost a kind of bit of skepticism that there's not much, um, there's not much kind of thought behind that. We are, you know, I think we all know enough about Ange to say that there probably is a fair amount of thought about that. And even though, it's usually the same two or three positions that, that get swapped out. It doesn't always happen in the same order. And really, it's a, it, it's because of the level of work rate that, that the, the guys in those positions are putting in that, you know, they've, they've gassed themselves by that point. And we've, we're lucky enough that we've got a deep bench, so we might as well use it. Um, but yeah, uh, the first wave obviously happened and that was just as Rangers scored the goal and they were getting back into it. And obviously, there's a, they get a natural lift from that and there's a push push on and, and there's the potential for a wobble there. And then the two subs come on, at, I think, 10 minutes after the goal. Um, 
And really, I think that firms us up. Always then a focal point to hold the ball up. And even though he gets the book in almost immediately, it doesn't stop him being physical and it doesn't stop him sort of looking and, and you know, demanding the ball. And Awata obviously sat in beside Cal rather than sort of playing that, you know, double eight or eight ten position. And that just firmed up us in front. And But he was obviously fresh. So he also... In those chances, when we had those chances late on, he was one of the key players breaking forward. He was winning balls, he was breaking up play, and then he was advancing the play with with you know forward passes. Um, and that yeah, that's some one of those chances. I think um, the Haksabanovic chance, one of the Haksabanovic chances, he was key in sort of winning the ball and driving it forward. Um, so yeah, I think I think you know you're right. Awata kind of he's neat and tidy. He just joins up the play. He 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 shields the, that defensive position. But I think there's a lot to come from him. He he looks a tidy player. Um, I don't suppose you become the J League player of the season without being reasonably handy, given given the quality of the players that we've picked up from that league already. So I'm really excited to see how he progresses and what you know what potentially that looks like in, in, in next season. And you know, assuming things track how we expect, I wouldn't be surprised to see. Uh, two deeper lying midfielders in Cal and Awata when we go away from home in in the Champions League if we're you know if we're there again uh, potentially even some home games depending on who we draw against so yeah uh, I think there's a lot to a lot to come from them but if you think about it, from from when those two players came on they never really troubled us again after that we and if you think about the last five six minutes as as the injury time added up because there was some stoppages and bits and pieces. That's about as comfortable as you would expect. You would hope to be in a, in that kind of in that kind of closing out a game. And that you always think. I was looking at my watch, and it's like you know, six or seven minutes to go. You go, well, they're going to get another chance. There, there's definitely another guilt edge chance coming, and then and there wasn't really like it sort of well, just petered out. So say, well, the probably the one that there was was the one the, the cross that came across, and um, Kolak missed it, and then Barisic missed it. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't seen it on a re- any of the highlight reels this morning. No, but no I, I don't know what Barisic was doing, but he was stone cold sleep on his heels that one. And it's the other point I want to make was you say that O being the focal point, I think that allowed us to go long as well. So. Rangers were obviously applying a really, really high press and, and Joe Hart decided to start punting it long and just taking some of the pressure off. And Ange says, says he lets the players decide if that's what's necessary. And I just felt that that substitution, that, like you said, it did make a big difference because we changed our approach that last 10, 15 minutes. And it just it created chances for us. And and like I said, you know, it was as comfortable as you're going to get at a 2-1 in a cup final with you know, five, 10 minutes to go. I've personally never felt I, I, I hear it a lot from people that Joe Hart struggles with crosses and to, yesterday was the kind of first time that I've really noticed it. Uh, it was, I don't know if it was a lack of confidence. There seemed to be something going on where he was kind of flapping and punching at things that he could have caught. Uh, and and he was there was a slight, another change in his game as well that I guess based on what happened to Ibrox with uh, Morelos closing him down, that he was kind of taking a lot less chances with his distribution and he was just kicking into touch sometimes and it was fine. Like I was okay with it. Um, Tommy, did you think like was it worrying you when he was punching at these crosses and flapping a little bit, or was it just kind of it was fine because he's still good at the other aspects of the game? Look, to be honest, I didn't really get too concerned about it because he's not he's not really been that um, a keeper that comes for crosses since he's been at Celtic. So, um, and they weren't, they weren't putting too many cross, crosses near him. I thought most of the crosses were being swept up by Starfelt and Carter Vickers. So. Um, for me, it was, it was it reminded me of the um, the Ibrooks game last year uh, when we beat them two one, 
and they were just trying to get the ball wide and then put lots of crosses into the box. But they were generally being mocked up by Carabakers and Starfelt, who I both thought were superb yesterday. Um, and Joe Hart really didn't have a lot to do, in my opinion. He had the one that, with the free kick um, where it came off the ball and he sort of punched that punched that behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a cross from Barisic that sort of sailed over. But um, it wasn't sort of something that gave me a huge amount of concern yesterday. Yeah, and and I think with being on the bench as well, you're not you're not going to be too fussy. You're just going to be like, "Yep, this guy's probably the best we've got." Um, no matter what uh, what he does out there, and in like you like we've touched on before, he wasn't ever in any too much trouble really. I think uh, you, I know they hit the post and they also um, did actually score, but apart from that, I feel like one moment in the game that was really. Uh, Crucial, game-changing, defining. Uh, it was early on when it was nil-nil, and they get a square ball across the goal, and Carter Vickers gets in and does a slide tackle block, and it looks like if it's Jamie Carragher doing that slide tackle block, it's an own goal, like a hundred percent of the time. But he manages to get it round the post and out of play, and it was like a, Tillman's waiting there to tap it in. And if you actually check on the the BBC kind of player ratings they, they actually give Carter Vickers man of the match and I, and I thought he did have a few good blocks and a few good tackles and obviously that one was the standout what, Anthony overall what did, was Carter Vickers was he man of the match is, is BBC are there people exaggerating these stats what, what, was he that good I think CCB falls into the Cal McGregor category of you just expect a, an 8, 9 out of 10 every week because that's kind of what he gives you and you sort of take it for granted. Um, I think that somebody was on Axum yesterday saying that like you used to take Henrik Larson for granted, he just bang a couple of goals in because that's just what Henrik Larson did. So I think the same with um, with CCB at the moment, you just expect that solid performance. But I have to say, Carl Starfelt had an absolute stormer last night as well. And I'm not trying to change the topic. I thought that block from CCB was match defining because, I mean, if they just an early goal like that, who knows how the game unfolds from there. But he was onto it and he, he cleared the danger. But I thought Carl Starfelt was, uh, yeah, admittedly, he did try and chip the ball in the six-yard box over um, Cantwell's head and sort of smashed it off his face and got the rebound. He was a bit lucky with that one. He did a Cruyff turn on the first half on the six-yard line as well. So he's either, he's a crazy Swede, I don't know, but he's just, uh, he's, uh, I can't explain it, but um, that was probably, I've seen the BBC was saying that was his best game for Celtic. And mm-hmm. I'd have to say it's pretty close because he won absolutely everything. Any challenge, every header, he ran Sakala down. He, he was just, a physical presence and in those sorts of games I think he is like he really shows his qualities because he just doesn't really have time to think on the ball because it's just frantic so um, but the two of them yeah you can make a case for just about anyone but if you score two goals in a cup final and you win 2-1 Kilgore's going to get man of the match and you know I, we, we, can, we can wax lyrical about that as well but I think you know I think he is deserving but you know I think like you said I think something I heard it was Paul to say it before like we had performances all over the park which was the thing that we didn't have at Ibrooks. We had probably three players at Ibrooks who were actually performing to their level or above their normal level. This time we had pretty much the whole team, maybe by one or two, performing at their level or higher. And that's what you need to win a cup final. 
who would you say wasn't performing then? But it's the extent I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought Maeda um, was is offensively. I thought he was all over the place. Like he, he just couldn't get across in, and and even for the first goal, admittedly he drew Davies to him, and he, he sort of dummied it. But I think he was trying to score it and just completely missed it. But you know, the effect of that was that it did free kill go up. So we'll give him that. But I kind of thought he had like three chances to get across in, and, and couldn't get one in. And I thought Jota was a bit. He had a couple of flashes, like he had the had the shot that forced the save from McGregor, and he had another one where he tried to shoot a funny angle and he should have cut it back. But I kind of felt that he just never really got into the game for any real sustained period. He popped up here or there, but you know, I, I was expecting a big performance from Jota, and I thought, you know, I thought he would start, um, but I just kind of felt that he just didn't quite give what we know he can do. Um, which has probably been critical. Um, but if you're talking about the rest of the team, I thought the rest of the team were all eights out of ten. I thought he was maybe a, a six and a half or seven. Paul, what do you reckon yeah. was uh Maeda's uh defensive performance? Did it did it uh is yeah, it look, so I'm, good that it doesn't matter that he was poor offensively? Yeah, um look, I wouldn't even argue that he was he was poor offensively. he just didn't hit the heights that he, he probably has done and we've kind of come to expect. Uh, I, I agree with Anthony. Like the first two or three chances he had to go at, ta, at, at Tavernier, he, he he overran it. He just hadn't got the, the his position on the pitch right. And then he sclaffed, um, sclaffed one and he seemed to sort of get his head down a little bit. Um, I, I think we should have probably persevered with the swap for longer because usually they, they split the, when Jota and he switch sides they usually let that balance out for, for a bit longer of a period but he was only over there against Bar- Barisic for a little while and I thought he could have given how we've seen Barisic deal with a baddest pace I thought that he could have caused them a real issue because Tav's not, it's not, you know, I don't think he's as good as, you know, some people try and make out but he is pretty quick so he's got that in his locker Um but crucially, I agree with Anthony. Kind of, he did try and finish and then sort of fluffed it. But I think he actually maybe feathered a touch that actually took it right into uh, Kyogo's path. But prior to that, his movement coming off the wing to free up the space for JT, and then he actually, as he moved into that, I guess inside left channel, you would you would call it old school style. That that drew Goldson out of position. So Goldson comes out to to sort of deal with Mira. There's a big gap that Moy feeds. Taylor in, and interestingly, we've quite we've quite often seen Taylor slide the, that same ball in to the wide man, but this time he's the receiver, and Moy slipping the pass in because of uh, Mieda's movement. Goldson's drawn out of position, and then Mieda spins in behind him, and Goldson's nowhere, and he's let him drift, which means Davis has to come across to protect the front post, which leaves Kyogo completely unmarked, and it's kind of amazing that both times he scores, he gets well. First time he's incomplete. He's in acres of space. The header, he's in acres of space. And he's you're right, Anthony, you mentioned it. He should have scored that. Um, and then he gets himself in front for the winner as well. So, you know, they know he's the danger man, but his movement is that good. Uh, and the movement of his teammates is that good that that the space is 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 developed. And I think that's definitely with the second goal as well, is that McGregor's drive, Moy moves off, um, and Hitati has the foresight to to pull it across rather than lash at a shot or, or do anything else or even try and check back so uh, I think I think you know Mera did, did a decent job at one of the key points and look McCoist is waxing lyrical about him during the match and in the post-match interview with um, 
and you're sort of going, you know, what are you feeding him? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you need to get plugged in at night. But he was, his work rate is phenomenal. He's more than his work rate, clearly. But you, you never get a minute's peace between him and Kyogo. None of those defenders get a minute's peace. And the amount of times that they track back and nick the ball off a midfielder who's just expecting to have an extra second or two to get their head up and decide where they're going to pass it. It's a massive, but and, and I think Ange touched on that in his post-match um, interview as well with um, the, the 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 broadcasters team. In that he's, you know, that that's what they do. They defend from the front. A massive part of the uh, the attacking team is is to to do their part in defence. So yeah, I, I, offensively on the ball, he maybe didn't hit the heights that he sometimes has, but I think overall his performance um, would would be justifying that he was up there like that those eights that, that most of the team hit. yeah I thought um, Tavernier was doing the, the covering the angle so he couldn't get to the byline really and it was forcing him to come back in and onto his right foot which was just slowing him down because it's like he has to turn to get onto that foot uh, if nothing else um, but yeah it was Tavernier was just a non a non-entity as an offensive player in the game, which I think speaks to Maeda and the fact that Maeda was the last player to be subbed. Like Ange was just too wary of taking him off because of the job he was doing, keeping Tavernier out of the game. Um, but that's not to say Haxibanovich, like he did some he did some pretty good things when he came on and he probably should have scored at least one the, the way he'd done. Do you think there's a case for to rest Maeda and give Haxibanovich a, a start next week, Tommy? Or do you think we, we stick with the man? Look, I reckon that you've definitely got to try and give Haxabanovich a run in the team. I mean, he's, he's a fantastic footballer. He's so skillful. He's different to Maeda. I mean, the thing with Maeda for me yesterday, the reason he was overrunning the ball is he, he was actually trying to beat him for pace pretty close in towards the box. So he wasn't actually running from a sort of deeper position. So and Maeda's not the most skillful footballer, unlike Haxabanovich, Jota, that sort of thing. So I think that's why he had a bit of a problem offensively. And I think you've got to give Tavernia some credit for how he defended him as well when he got into the deep areas. Um, but Haxabanovich, it's, it's interesting why he hasn't played much since we came back from the World Cup, and I'm not sure um, was, if he was injured or carrying a knock, because before the World Cup, I think he got player of the month, and he scored uh, the winner yep. against Ross County. Sure. Um, so for me, he's definitely drew a run in the team, and you can see when he came on yesterday, um, the skill he's got, and um, he's definitely a threat. So I would love to see him get a run in the team. And I, and I think we've got St Mirren away this Sunday, so it's maybe not... If you were going to pick one game, uh, although Maeda had a shocker St Mirren away earlier in the season, so it, you could make the argument in both directions there, I guess. Um, and obviously Jota is the other one that we just touched on who ha- hasn't been quite as effective as he could be at the moment. But one player who has been absolutely infect, uh, effective and is... Fast becoming a lot of people's favourite player. One of their favourite players is uh, a young Alistair Johnston. Uh, Anthony Ralston was back uh, on the bench yesterday. Didn't get didn't get a sniff. Johnston has been pretty sensational, and I think we kind of half expected it um, before the game that he was going to put in a lot of dig because he did put a, put in a bit of dig at his debut at Ibrooks. And yesterday was no different. There was one moment where. Uh, he just shrugs, like he shrugs off. At, he beats one player, and then Barisic catches up with him, almost catches him cold. But then Johnson doesn't know Barisic is coming. But then when Barisic catches up with him, Johnson just shrugs his shoulders, and just Barisic ends up on the deck. Like it was like he was just very, very strong, very good offensively, defensively. Is he your new favourite player, Anthony? 
He that was his bit that was by far his best game in a Celtic shirt so far. And I know obviously it's a very early career for him in Celtic, but that was an absolute phenomenal performance he put in yesterday. He kept Kent very, very quiet. Kent basically didn't really have much. He had a couple of shots that went way over the bar and obviously had the one at the post. But apart from that, he kept him exceptionally quiet. He dealt with Barisic on the overlap as well, because Barisic did actually gallop forward a few times. So where Tavernier was sort of blocked in, he did get up a few times and managed to deal with that. He put the cross in for Teodro's header. So that was him that picked him out for that. And uh, he also played the cross-field ball for one of Haxabanovic's chances near the end. It was him that played the ball across. It was a really, really good good pass. And that's in the, the dying 10 minutes of a game. And you look, he just looked like he could went, he went up another 30 minutes, no worries sort of thing. He was just up for it, stuck in when I think it was... I think it was when Kamara put the challenge in that that bad challenge and got the other card. It was it was um, Johnson who was up demonstrating and and just making sure that they they, they knew that that wasn't on sort of thing. So you need a bit of that in your team. I feel that we've been a guilty of being a wee bit soft at times, especially last season. So if he's going to come in and, and play like that and and he's got the skill and the physicality to back it up as well. He put some challenges in, and I'll just finish by saying that he was on a booking. And then he put that sliding tackle in against Ken in the dying minutes of the game, and he timed it to absolute perfection. He mistimes that. That's a second yellow, and he's off the park, and then you're under mm-hmm. the cosh for the last five minutes or so. But it was a great challenge and just speaks volumes the guy. And like I said, if he can put performances like together, because he was getting forward a lot more as well and actually offering something past that sort of just just – the, the sort of you know just that pass forward he was actually getting the overlap and he was actually contributing offensively so if he can continue to build on that Celtic have made a really really good bit of business signing him and I, get, I gather he got to take the trophy back to the after match party at Celtic Park as well first ever trophies won so quite a day for the, the young guy and he looks like he's really enjoying his time really settling in uh, I think the only player we've not really touched on yet is one that I want to bring up in relation to someone else who we should be talking about. Uh, and that is uh, Mr. Fashion Sakala, who was up in the first half against Greg Taylor. And uh, now I thought Greg Taylor, obviously we've talked about briefly about his involvement in the, the, the first goal, where him getting in behind is what breaks the line and, and gives us an overload with the strikers there. Um, but I thought there was times in the first half where they were particularly targeting him with uh, Fashion Sakala's pace, and I thought he did a good job. I think there was one time he was beaten, and uh, Starfelt, of all people it was, that actually covered for him, uh, who's not the paciest player himself. But uh, yeah, Greg Taylor up against Fashion Sakala, who disappeared from the game after he missed that open goal uh, at the start of the second half, and hopefully we'll never hear from the man again. Tommy, uh are you now a Fashion Sakala fan? Uh, would you like to see? Uh, should Greg Taylor get like his name put in uh, on his car or something like that? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah look, obviously not a Fashion Sakala fan. Not a fan of his teeth either. Um, just just to mind the gap, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, look, I mean, the main thing with Sakala for me is he's got pace. And I think Greg Taylor's had a, a fantastic season, season and a half now. He's been he's been tremendous for us. Um but I think one thing he maybe doesn't have is a lot of pace. And Sakala sort of beat him for that. And I disagree with you, Sean, in terms of you saying that Starfield doesn't have much pace. I think Starfield is very, very quick. And I think okay. that's probably part of the reason he's playing alongside on the left-hand side as well, is he actually gives you that cover because maybe Taylor doesn't have that defensive pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, Sakala didn't really do anything in the game. The one time they did get in behind Greg Taylor, as you say, 
um, Stafford went out, closed him down, and then I think Taylor got back into the box and cleared, cleared it for a corner. So, um, I mean, Greg Taylor's had a fantastic season, and um, you really noticed the difference when he was out of the team. The team's actually a lot more fluid with him in the team because he's just, when he moves into those central positions, picks up the ball, um, keeps the play moving, he's very important to us. So, um, he had another good game yesterday. Yeah, I just... And- Sorry, Sorry, I just want to quickly quick, quick, just say um, he probably tired the last 10 minutes. He was probably blowing a bit because he, he did lose the ball. He had like a fresh air swing at the ball and he, he made a couple of wee mistakes. And I just think it was tiredness. But unfortunately, we don't have a left back on the bench at the moment. So it's mm-hmm. imperative that he stays fit because where was Bernabe? Yes, he didn't even make the bench. So we're, um, we, we are a wee bit light on there if he's not even able to make the, the match day squads for cover. Um, so. Paul, did you reckon that the the win was even sweeter with all the noise that Sakala was making in the build up to the game? Does that make it better, or is it just a thing that happens at the same Paul, time? It's kind of the cherry on the cake, isn't it? But we've, I, I'm so surprised that teams still fall into this. You know, do their talking in the run up to the match, and and, and you know, it, what it can never it can never go well. The best thing that could happen is. You talk a big good game and yeah, you win. Okay, so but more often than not, you're going to leave yourself with egg in your face. Like, wait, what are every what is everyone talking about this morning? They're talking about him running his mouth and him missing that open goal. That's that's pretty much what the main chat is about. Um, with, with regards to them, other than you know laughing at follow follow posts about you know that the, the house is crumbling again when a couple of days ago we were going to get battered, but um. Their 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 players, their fan base, their manager—they run their mouths, and then where are we? Back where we started. We're we're comfortably ahead. Um, we've touched on it before. But we'll say it again. Beal hasn't got any closer to us. We we we've okay. The points gap's the same, but we've added another trophy, and the goal difference has increased. And we've got to play them twice more. And I'd be pretty confident we'll we'll boost Elite. the points differential yep. against them. Let's be honest, if 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 the team was genuinely suffering major illness during the last game, we still managed to get a draw. Um and that's all they barely laid a glove on us. They 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 had they had a 20 minute rally at Ibrox at the beginning of the second half and got themselves ahead and couldn't hang on and they had pockets of 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 moments in this match. Um but really when it's when they're two one down and they've got momentum, did they did they really cause ha- havoc? No, they didn't, and they didn't have anything to sustain it. Um, and yet we run out comfortable winners, and it, with those chances near near the end and the chances in the first half that we passed up, yeah, two one makes it look like it was a, a particularly close game, but three or four one wouldn't have flattered us. I, I just. Yeah, and we're kind of, it's almost kind of in a roundabout way linking what we're talking about with the kind of off-the-pitch thing. Is uh, Michael's kind of given us a link here in the comments, Michael Ross. We maintain standards, they don't. And I think their standards really showed this week, not just with the comments uh, of um, Sakala, but a lot of the other things as well. Uh, from Even from uh, in the morning when the, the union or onion bears, whatever we want to call them, we're chasing some of the Green Brigade guys that were just coming down to set up the TIFO at Hamden. Uh, obviously, they should have been focusing on their own TIFO, which was a bit of a shambles uh, and not anywhere near like levels, standards. Do you know what I mean? Like our TIFO, like 
made theirs look like a piece of absolute garbage, which, which I think is a problem that they often have. I think they don't have a graphic designer in among them. Uh, Pablo, so, Pablo Picasso, we'll, we'll keep the art theme going this week and yeah, a bit yeah. abstract there as well. Yeah, it, it genuinely did look more like a Dundee badge than a Rangers badge. I honestly could not, I was like, because before they were showing it before the game and I couldn't quite, like, and not everyone had put their things up yet. And I was like, what are they trying? To, I literally couldn't tell what they were trying to get at here. And, and the Celtic one was glorious. It was not just to not just have the, the colours, but to actually have the kind of moving effect of the fire was real, really class. I was a little bit annoyed that people had ignored the request to not set off pyro, but because it kind of did block out a bit. But it was what it was. What it was. It was pretty good overall. Uh, did you? What do you think? Standards, tifos. What are we? Is, is this a thing? Should we be comparing these fan groups or is it just a, a kind of a, a levels thing that they're just not on our level? Well, I, I all I want to say... Oh, sorry. Tommy, are you doing? Sorry, are you fine? Oh, well, 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 sorry. Sort of think... <laughs> all right. <laughs> Tommy, go. Go. <laughs> Tommy. Um, no, I was going to say, look, to me, it's quite irrelevant, but I mean, there's there's a number of occasions over the years, um, even when they've not been playing as it, even the, the signs and the TFOs that they put up, they just do not make sense. I mean, it's a pretty common theme. Yes, yesterday isn't isn't the first time that they would have had a TFO that, you know, no one could understand exactly what it was meant to be saying. Um, the Celtic TFOs have always um, been a level above, but whether that's actually relevant um, or is important, um, to me personally, it's not, but then it might be to some other people. Sorry, yeah. Anthony? Uh, so all I was going to say is we all week we were t- discussing what minute would Rangers get a penalty, but what we really should have been discussing is what minute of the game would the Rangers fans make an absolute disgrace of themselves. And it was actually minus one minute before the game started, jeering and singing during yeah. Lauren Gordon's you know, one-minute applause for you know the guy she's passed away for can- cancer. And they can't even go a minute doing that. They're just an absolute disgrace. And they and got it- what they deserved. And that links back to when uh, the minute silence was disrupted at Ibrooks, and we were getting crap for it. And it was actually Sevco fans shouting words that I won't say uh, about uh, that, that minute, interrupting that minute silence. So, yeah, it was overall levels of kind of shambles and pettiness. Like our standard is, you know, keeping quiet in the media, you know, focusing, doing our talking on the pitch. It's winning trophies 22 and 11 years, whereas their standards are uh, chasing people at 9 a.m. in the morning. Uh, booing uh, the deceased and uh, doing some pretty shambolic uh, um, tifos, and then and then focusing on like what people wear, but then also not printing, refusing to print Celtic's name on their shirt. So that was like top level pettiness there. Like every team, and as far as I know, ever has got the both teams' names printed on the shirt for a cup final. Sevco yesterday, nah, we're just going to write cup final on it instead. This is from the same team that did Old Firm FC last year um, with the you know the, the big banners and everything. And then to leave the pitch before Celtic represented the trophy. Do we care or are we just happy to leave that sitting there as that kind of sums up who they are, Paul? They lack class, don't they? they, they, they and and the, the hilarious thing is they always talk about standards and you know, get the suit and tie and the brown brogues out. But when it comes to actually being, having a bit of class and showing a bit of respect when it's due, they haven't got it. They talk a good game, same as same as what they're going to do in the pitch. They talk a good game and they can't deliver. So to me, it's just a sideshow and it's just back to the, you know, 
it's uh, it's the banter years, isn't it? They haven't gone away. They took a little uh, COVID COVID period of gap, and uh, we're back. And uh, yeah, look, the most important thing is is what we do in the pitch. But you know, in a major rivalry that goes back as long as twelve years or, or well, however many it is <laughs> eleven, eleven. eleven. <laughs> uh, then then you're you know you are gonna you are gonna uh, enjoy it when when they start to unravel and. Yeah, sterling work by the guys and girls on Twitter that uh, go and enjoy that cesspit of follow, follow, and then take the screenshots and share it for the rest of us because that always gives you a little uh, a little snigger <laughs> after after a you know it's like you want to revel in it, and uh, I uh, I don't shy away from that. I'm quite happy to admit I like to uh, wallow in the uh, in the enjoyment of uh, not just the positivity from our side but um, the despair on theirs. Yeah, it's definitely a, a good healthy dose of schadenfreude, particularly on days like today. And it's probably the, the one week of the year where all Celtic fans will tune into Super Scoreboard or whatever version of, just to hear the the, the first caller will always be a Sevco fan phoning in and crying about, oh, we need to get rid of the manager or whatever, you know, like whereas literally two two days ago, he was being touted for the England job. And now it's, oh, he's, he's the worst manager. Ter- anyway, it's, it's, it's predictable as clockwork. Do you, Tommy, do, you, do they affect your life in any way or do you just enjoy uh, laughing at their appalling pettiness and, and lack of class? Well, I'd be lying if I say it wouldn't affect me. I mean, the, the, um, the thought of having not won yesterday and losing to them would made me sick for two or three weeks. So I can't say that um, it wouldn't affect me. But... Um, I think you just need to look at the way if you go back to the COVID title and the way they um, destroyed Glasgow um, mm-hmm. to get a, get a sense of um, what their supporters are like and what they're like culturally. Um, I think that gives you a pretty good example and it's something that we are so far removed on um, and what, what we stand for as a club with our values. You know, it's just chalk and cheese and they, they live in a deluded world as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and, and yeah, and if they keep living there, that's fine because it's it appears to be supporting our on-field success, and that is what we care about, and and that kind of links to our final talking point here, and that's since that draw at Ibrooks, we've now won ten ten games in a row, ten overall domestic games in a row, um, we've now managed to shut up the mouthy mob that may or may not dent their confidence, which was fragile back in January, but it's been building a bit since then. So I'd actually can't wait to get, get them again at Celtic Park and, and put another nail into their confidence if we can do that uh, soon. And <clears throat> breaking their momentum, building ours. But overall, what does what does this win, this win mean? Yeah, and before the game, Ange was making the point, this is, a, this is an isolation, this is different from the other competitions and he was really repeating that and the players were repeating it in the press too but what does what does this mean overall for the season and is it okay or when is it okay to start talking about a treble because this is you can't have it without this and we've now got the first part of a potential treble when is it okay to start talking about that Anthony? Um, I think when we get into the Scottish Cup final if we you know if we get there then I think then you start discussing the treble because by that point the league will theoretically should be pretty much stitched up by then mathematically um until then I think it's a bit disrespectful to the other teams still left until we're sort of there um to your other point if had we lost yesterday I don't think that would have broke our momentum I think we're quite good at just been in a bad result and moving on to the next one I think for the other side 
the fact that they've lost that will dent their momentum and be always saying some pretty you know some some quite interesting things in some of his post matches i was having i was having a bit of a listen he was saying we don't we have it's not the first time we haven't started a game well and then he also said it's more than once that a few players haven't quite hit the heights and whatever so as much as like oh i take responsibility he was equally throwing his chucking some of his players under a bus as well so it'll be interesting to see what the the, the fallout of all that is um but yeah for us it's just onwards and upwards you know the, the standards are there and comes out and says look we've won the guys get 24 hours to enjoy it, and then I expect everyone back in on Tuesday, and we we go again. We just some run next on the weekend, and 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 we go again. And it's just he never gets too high, he never gets too low. But I will say this: that was probably the most animated I've seen him winning a, a cup or a, a, a after a match. I think, think Buell really did probably piss him off and wind him up this week. And I think it was one of those ones where it was like, I'll show you. And he was giving it the big fist pumps and that after the game. And I think there was a wee bit of, you know, I, I think he had a mutual respect for Gio. I don't think he's got that with, with Michael Beale. Mm-hmm. So, Tommy, Paul, I want to hear both of you, your opinions on this as well. Is it just is it just a League Cup win? Or is there a wider context that this is feeding into here? Is there a wider picture? Is there a bigger uh, bigger picture here that this is this is creating, Tommy? Well, for me, it's, it's, it's the way they've been talking before the game and leading up to the game and all the, the rubbish that the, uh, Michael Beale has been sort of spouting since he came on board. To me, it's, it's a big punch, a big puncture in, in what they were looking to do. Um, it, so it's going to be interesting to see how they react in the next league game. I'm not sure how, who they've got. Um, but for us, um, it's great to win the cup, but it's, it's only one step and we've just got to keep, I'm going to sound like a football manager, but it's just one game at a time that we've got to focus on St Mirren on Sunday. And it's the only team to beat us this year. And I actually think St. Mary, when we played them, we've been pretty good. So for me, it's just focusing on the next game. And then, you know, hopefully they'll drop some points. Hopefully this um, dents their egos and um, dents um, Beal's ego. And, you know, it's almost that was for us. Paul, do you, do you read into it in any context of this uh, trophy count, which has been, con- you know, banded about social media this week? Do you, do you look into it in that context at all or not? Right, look, I think you, you've got to look at the, the bigger picture. Yep, you, you know, take the guy's point. It's one game. It's one more trophy. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be season-defining. But I think we're not the managers, and we're not we're not in the playing squad. So as fans, we can look ahead a little bit. We can start to get excited. We can we can look at the possibilities. Look, Hearts is a big game in the cup. So I would say, you know, let's not take our eye. Obviously, we're going to look at the next game and St Mirren's the next game and all that. But the the team is so well drilled, and Ange will will keep them on point. And I think that that they'll be on point anyway. So, look, the league should take care of itself. Um, you know, I, I think we're nine clear. There's only there's only a handful of games really left, and we've got to play them twice. Now, if they beat us twice, then maybe. But I don't think anyone in this podcaster on the chat thinks that that's going to happen so realistically you know the league should take care of itself um hearts is a tough game in the cup but you know you win that you're what are you two games away from potentially a treble so well no because um, we've still got a lot of league games to win but i get your point yeah okay but <laughs> i think look, you look at the number of points we've we've gathered so far and the number of games that are behind us and the number of games that are still to come how many points have we dropped so far 
you know, are we going to drop them that many points in, in the remaining games? Probably not. So well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say we're counting our chickens and it's done and we can just all take, you know, it's, but it's not the fans' job to, you know, look one game at a time. It's that's the manager and the players' job, and they'll continue to do that. And we'll be aware that that's going on in the background. I think we can look ahead and be pretty confident that, you know, all things being equal, we should close out this season. It'd be a massive collapse. Let's put it that way. It's a massive collapse if we lose the title from here. So um, I think the expectation is that the team continues to perform at the level it does and we close the season out. Um, yeah, the, the, cup, the cup's a cup, right? So, how many cup, you know, how many cup games have we had? And it, it, the record's been amazing. So, law of averages says that you know we, you know, we potentially do slip up in one or get a bad decision in one. But I, th- I think, I think we, you know, we deal with Hearts in the cup and then see where the draws take us from there. But I, I fully expect us to win the league from here, and then yeah, get a few cup games away from potentially a treble. Well, Michael Ross has said in the comments, no treble talk, please. And we can be pretty sure that uh, Ange and the players will not be talking about it or entertaining any questions about it. Uh, They barely even talk about winning games. They talk about performances more than they do about winning. Uh, And they only really let that slip normally when it is a cup final or when it is the league is wrapped up. And that's the only time they tend to reflect on these things. And and whatever psychology is behind that, it's working and I hope they keep doing it. So we we are over an hour, guys. So we're just going to wrap up there. Thanks for everyone that's been tuning in. Uh, Just to check out we do have our shows tomorrow uh tuesday and wednesday shows for celtic down under and then the celtic game this weekend is on sunday it'll be 8 p.m for us uh midday in scotland i believe it'll be 11 p.m on the east coast uh for poor willie i don't know what's that midnight 1 a.m i'm not even sure so it's getting pretty late out there on a monday morning uh, so hopefully, please join, uh, enjoy the shows Tuesday and Wednesday. Enjoy celebrating this League Cup triumph. Uh, and just, yeah. And then for Thursday and Friday, anything you recommend, guys, to get through the week? Anthony, any recommendations? I'm I'm just, I'm heading off to Melbourne on Friday for a long weekend. I've got a wedding to go to, so I will be uh, off the pod next week, but I'll be back in a fortnight. Looking forward to it. So hopefully we get, a, get the bitties against St. Martin and uh, keep our winning run going mm-hmm. tell me what you're up to any recommendations um oh, not really lots of coffee suffering today so lots of coffee oh, yeah. <laughs> that'll do it and paul uh i've got my box due on saturday so that uh or stag do for uh for those that are uh tuning in from the uk uh so that will be it's uh, just as well it's a public holiday here on the monday because i imagine that they'll still be going partly on Sunday so uh, I'll hopefully I've sobered up by the time the game kicks off at 8pm 8, 8 beyond that um, New Gorillas album came out this week so um, if I had started to have a little listen to that and there's some, some good tunes on there as you'd expect so yeah if any, anyone that uh, and 22 years since the first Gorillas album came out so that's uh, that, that's what it make you feel old if you don't already feel, feel old you know well yeah um, personally, I'll hopefully try and get down to Johnny Fox's since you mentioned it was public holiday on Monday. So I'll try and get down there on Sunday night to watch the Celtic St. Mirren game. I'd imagine there was at least 100 people there last night. It was a great night. Uh, thanks to all the guys that were bouncing about with me and Johnny Fox's celebrating uh, a good win. Uh, but apart from that, that's all for this week. 
go out and rub it into any Sevco supporting family and friends you may have. Don't let them forget that we are the League Cup champions, as and that's a deliberate uh, sarcasm there, just before anyone picks me up on that one. Okay, uh, thanks everyone, and see you next week. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. hail, hail.